0: To the word of the Lord today. Turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm certainly excited about this. It's my favorite holiday. And uh, I'm hungry thinking about it. Galatians 5 verse 16 And this is the second part of a three-week series on waging war on the enemy Last week, I talked about the flesh. I will start there today And uh, we're going to talk about the world Three areas of your life that you're going to battle You're going to battle the flesh, you're going to battle the world, and you're going to battle the devil And um, but he said, I have overcome the world. How I many know he overcame the world, praise God. And so um, Galatians 5 and 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, meaning God's Spirit, and ye shall not, what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Sort of what it's saying is, what God wants you to do, what your flesh wants you to do, is two different things. It's against each other. Let me know that. You can make some bad decisions in a carnal moment. That's true. Don't let your flesh make those decisions. Be led by the Spirit of God. For they that are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to follow the Lord. It says, and these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that you would or would normally do. But if you be led uh, of the Spirit, you are not under the law. God bless you. You may be seated. Really, the series that I am preaching to you was inspired to me from a statement that the Lord gave me a couple weeks ago when I was meditating just on uh, these services. And I felt like God said to me, how can you produce the fruit of the Spirit if you cannot deny the works of the flesh? You will not produce the fruit of the Spirit while fulfilling the works of the flesh. And let's read it. It it lists these things in chapter 19 or verse 19 of Galatians 5. If they will show this, and if you have your Bibles, please turn there. Galatians 5 and 19. It says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Uh, means it's just part of being flesh, uh, not a part of being evil. Not a part of being of the devil. Uh, has nothing to do with the devil. Has everything to do with flesh. What caused Adam and Eve to sin in the garden and even until now? Look at your neighbor and say, it's just flesh. It's just flesh. It's normal. It's natural. And it says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. It says, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness lasciviousness, which means extreme sexual desire. It goes on to verse 20 and says, idolatry, who did ever think idol worship would be a part of the flesh? But it is. You're gonna worship something. That's right. Idolatry, witchcraft, is a work of the flesh. You don't need horoscopes. Palm readers and tarot card readers. 1-900, psychic. I mean, no, you do not need that. When you have the Holy Ghost, he is your tomorrow. He is our guide for our future. I don't have to worry about tomorrow when I know who holds my hand. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Growing up in school, I remember the young people. I remember in school, young people would actually get in circles in the hall and have seances. Right in the hall. I mean, why in the world would a uh, a young person would do that and they would, they would get in their circles and corner and hold their hands together and sit uh, and uh, uh, sit Indian style on the floor and try to conjure up spirits. I remember that, asking me to come over there. I didn't know what they were doing. Sit down and realize through. I got out of there. We're not gonna bend our knee to any other God or some uh, way of uh, uh, spiritual spiritual witchcraft. Can you say Amen. And so uh, I remember also invited to a a, a friend's house. Some friends were hanging out, and they got a Ouija board out and started, uh, don't want to do with that. How many's ever heard of that? And some people think that's weird, but it's real. There was things that started happening. I left. They later told me what was happening, showing up, and, and a spirit that came in there, and they were absolutely terrified. Why would they do that? Flesh. Flesh. And it says it's a work of the flesh. It's wrong, isn't it? You can't be praying for God to lead you and asking for direction from a witch at the same time. Just not going to work. Man, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I do believe there is spiritual wickedness in high places. We do not need the devil telling us about our tomorrow. He is the father of all lies. He's the father of all lies. My, I might have, if I'm redundant, just excuse me, but my um, my, my cousin was on, she worked for Verizon and a lady called in and she had answered the phone, uh, customer service, and somewhere in the conversation, the lady began to tell her, uh, she said, you're pregnant, and she thought to herself, how does she know I'm pregnant? And uh, uh, the lady began to tell her that you're going to have a baby and the baby's going to... Uh, I have this color hair, it's a girl, it's gonna be born on this date. She got off of there as a, as a believer, was so concerned because the lady was a psychic and so she called her pastor, who happens to be my uncle, and she said, pastor, she said, I don't understand it. How can a psychic tell me what's going on in my life? And he said, I don't know, but I'm gonna take it to prayer. He took it to prayer and the Lord told him, he said, you tell her, you tell her that, Yes, she's going to have a baby, but it's not a girl, it's a boy. And it's not going to be born on that date, it's going to be born on this date. You know what? It was, it was born on the date God said, and it wasn't a girl, it was a boy. You see, the devil might know your present, but he's real confused over your future. And you've got to... I'm telling you, this is why we go to church. Because the devil will get you to fear tomorrow because he knows those that are in the Lord. Jeremiah said that God knows his thoughts toward you or you know God's thoughts toward you. They're not evil, but they're good. The devil wants to live you to live in fear and frantic that everything's gonna fall apart, but I've got good news to bring. He's the king of my tomorrow. He's the Lord of my future. He knows exactly what I need and how I'm gonna get there. Somebody shout, there's a destiny for me. I've come to preach Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, the lie of the enemy, the lie of the devil, to tell you that your sin is greater than your future. Can I tell you when he forgives you, he removes every curse, every penalty of the sin to give you a great tomorrow. That's the mercy and the grace of God. Would you clap your hands and shout hallelujah. Oh, jump to your feet and clap your hands and thank God. He has your future. He has your future. Amen. Somebody shout amen. I feel like ministering to some of you in this room right now. The devil's been lying to you. He's been just because it's tough doesn't mean it's over. It's life. It's not heaven yet. We are going to get runny noses and maybe some sicknesses that might come because it's that time of year. But let me tell you something. There is a God that has it all worked out. And before you make a choice on your pain, make a choice on your promise. Hold on to your promise. Hold on to your prophecy. I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to go through valleys. You're going to climb mountains. But he's got the goal line all figured out. He's going to make sure you get there. Somebody shout amen. Amen. So when you start your day, you must start your day thinking about his will for your life. Everybody hold up three fingers. It's a word called sin. S-I-N. That word sin means to miss the mark of your destiny. It's anything in your life that causes you to miss the will of God for your life. Sin is anything that comes in as a distraction that gets you off of the path of the straight and narrow way. Where's the straight and narrow way leading to? Your purpose, your destiny, the reason for your existence. Can you say amen? Amen. And your flesh is ADD. Isn't Isn't it the truth? Oh, God's so wonderful. What is that over there? <laughs> Pastor's preaching. You come out. I am going to be a missionary. Distractions. Distractions. The devil's trying to pull you off of a path in your destiny. But I feel like there's some people here that you've got the, a bulldog grip on what God's doing in your life. You're going to have a backbone of a saw log and the determination of steel that says I don't care what comes my way I am going to fight every enemy that tries to hinder me from what God has for my life I'll fight for it I'm not giving up my 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 I feel like saying this today and we've got to be willing to fight for our children and our families David was willing to attack a bear and a lion over, over the lambs of the flock. What he was saying was, There's some things worth fighting for. Some of you need to wage war in the enemy that's trying to destroy what God has spoken in you. Come on, deny the report and embrace the promises of God. Clap your hands and praise Him. I feel like preaching here today. It says idolatry, witchcraft. Hatred. It's probably a word we ought to remove from our vocabulary. I hate this. I hate that. Be careful what you say, it matters. The Bible says we will be judged for every idle word. Just, you, you ought to control what you say. We are snared by the words of our mouth. And Christians, you know, when we come to the Lord, we realize there's cuss words we don't say anymore. But there's some words that we still say we shouldn't say. Shouldn't degrade yourself. Shouldn't use words, hateful words. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you don't know what to say, say nothing. One man smashed his finger with a hammer on the job with my dad. He started saying, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. He said... Why well, are you thanking Jesus? He said, because I don't want to say anything wrong. He said, I wouldn't say thank you, Jesus. The more Lord might think you like it and let you do it again. You don't have to say something. Sometimes it's best to say. Then somebody said, Well, in all things, give thanks to the Lord. Might be a little bit of disobedience come over me if I smash my toe. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Remove, a words, that begin to make you feel that way. Variance. You know what variance is? Let's find where we're different and talk about it. It's a work of the flesh. Instead of finding where you can agree, you I've seen this as the nature of people at times. They'll agree on so many things, but they're not going to talk about where we agree. They want to focus always on the disagreement. They filter through the conversation as soon as they find a disagreement. That's where they put all their emotion in. It's division, and it's natural. How I many you know some people aren't happy unless they're not happy? They're not happy unless there's drama. Why? Because variance. Hard to get along with anybody. No friends. Why? Because they focus on where they're different. Let me tell you, Christians should focus on where we agree. Every marriage, you do not build your relationship, any relationship, as a matter of fact, on your weaknesses or disagreements. I mean, no, that's true. You build a great marriage or a great relationship on where you are strong or where you have agreement on. Start there. And in moments down the line, when things service, deal with it. But just don't get right to the, var- to the to the differences. Everybody say variance? Emulations. Acting like. Something else, instead of being yourself, you begin to emulate things that are not right in your life. Wrath. It's one thing to be angry, it's another thing to deal with wrath, vengeance, retaliation, strife and fighting, seditions. That means always causing division, heresies, false doctrines, trying to vary from truth. Everybody say it's natural. Envyings, jealous of what somebody else has. Murders, you might think it. One guy, one time, he said, my wife and I have never used the word divorce in all of our marriage. He said, but we thought about murder several times. <laughs> Seems to be a witness in the congregation here today, huh? Seem to resonate with some people. Envyings, murders, drunkenness. I got high on the wrong type of paint in the closet the other day. I don't know why people want to get high. I can't get away. I was trying to finish the job. I don't know what happened to me. My lips started tingling. How to lay down. People pay to do that type of stuff. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Listen, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Any of those things listed that if you do, you will not inherit. The kingdom of God. So you need to study this, write these things down, and remove any of those works of the flesh from your life. He's saying, don't do these things. Just because you want to and it feels good doesn't make it right. I said the other day on a Sunday night, I said, talk to the young people, told them that sin was fun. A few things I mentioned got real awkward in the building because, you know, you can't say sin's fun. Solomon said stolen water is sweet. Stolen, everybody say stolen water is sweet. sweet. Just because it tastes good doesn't make the stolen water right. And the works of the flesh can be appealing because it's appealing to the eye. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and what? The pride of life. That means you desire it. And maybe it's gratifying for a moment. But it's the pleasure of sin. What? Somebody say for a season. He goes on to say, but the fruit of the spirit. Let's, let's try something else. Instead of the works of the flesh, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit. Let's look what it says. But the fruit of the spirit is love, not hate. Right? It's joy. It's what? Everybody say peace. You can't do the works of the flesh and have peace. I'm 41 now. And you know what? Probably one of the most valuable words or... Things you can possess in life, I would say, dealing with people, counseling multiple times every week with families, the most valuable commodity a person can have is peace. You can have money and not peace. You can have a family and not peace, a nice job and not peace. I'm telling you, he's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. Let me just hit this for a moment. We are allowed to use our senses, our body for this temporal world, but we were made primarily as a worshiper of God. Your hands were made to clap for Him, your voice was made to sing unto Him, your eyes were made to behold His creation and glorify Him. He gave you feet for dancing, legs for leaping. How I many know? We'll leap for joy. We'll dance before the Lord, the Bible says. He gave you exuberance, not just so you can get excited when the Buckeyes win. They say, whoa, when you get a raise. We're allowed to use that for this temporal world. But he wants you to take your emotions And pour it on him every single Sunday, every single day of the week. Come on, he gave us vocal cords to say thank you for this morning. I love you today. Lord, I worship you today. You don't even have to sing in tune to please him. But you use that for his glory. Use those vocal cords to get on the... Get on the children every now and then to communicate, maybe to build your company, to work on the job, to give commands as you need to, to love on your spouse. But let me tell you something. Make sure you're taking the vocal cord that he gave you and put the fruit of your lips toward him. And the verse is like, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Come on, don't miss a Sunday when you can come and praise him. Oh, clap your hands and praise him right now. Would you do that? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. What that means? whole bunch of tolerance, waiting, for love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is long-suffering. Love covereth a multitude of sins. He said, I'll put something in you. People can do you wrong again and again and again. And you will look at them and hoping for change. You're hoping for betterment. You're hoping they'll get through it. Where's that come from? God, it's a fruit of the spirit. Christians aren't one and done. You make a mistake, they cut you off. That's not Christian, that's flesh. Flesh said, you wronged me so I'll never trust you. Flesh said you did me wrong so I'll never let you in my life. Flesh said somebody did me wrong so I'll never trust again. That's flesh. But the Spirit of God produces long suffering. I just think it's going to get better. Just hold on a little while. Don't give up yet. We're believing for a brighter day. Am I preaching to anybody right now? That's the fruit of the Spirit. People would love when everybody else hates Filth forgive when everybody else is ready to cast justice or judgment. Gentleness. I've seen mean men get saved and become gentle giants. Their family were fighters. They grew up fighting. Their nature is fighting. But when God saved them, become gentle. Everybody say goodness. We, we bring goodness to the table. And everybody say faith. You can't please God without faith. And faith didn't come from your family. Faith does not even come from your flesh. Faith always, Brother Melik, comes from God. For the Bible says, to every man is dealt a measure of faith. A measure of faith. Since you got that bright suit on, I'm going to use you today. Let there be light, and there was light. Amen. Amen. See, God deals a little bit of faith. What do you do with it? Well, Merry Christmas. He deals a measure of faith. He expects you to grow your faith. I'm glad Carol's here. Amen. <laughs> grow faith. We love you, Carol. You grow faith. What the problem is? There's a war in you over your faith because you know what the flesh wants to do. The flesh wants to doubt. The flesh wants to vary. The flesh wants to have, be distrustful. The flesh wants to blame, maybe. The flesh does not want to see. Here, here, here's the truth of the matter about the flesh. The flesh has eyes that bases all the decisions on right now. And if the storm is here, we feel like the storm is here to stay. Flesh says the storm's here, it's over. But what you got to understand, you got to reach down somewhere and you've got to reach and grab a hold of faith. And you come out and you start speaking life. Pull, pull your faith out. And you start saying, there's a tomorrow. It's not over till God says it's over. God's bigger than any disease, any sickness, any report. And what happens is, in small storms in your life, when you begin to speak faith and you start praying instead of doubting, put, put that in your pocket. It's not long until you see the victory of that, that it starts increasing. Because when I look back down the road, when I see where the Lord's brought me from, what happens is instead of seeing just my present problem, I start looking back and say, he brought me through that. He brought me through that. This is nothing for him. When David was fighting lions and bears... 25 times stronger than a man when he came against Goliath he just reaches in he's got a whole lot of faith because if he can deliver me from a lion he can deliver me from a bear why would he let me die now and I'm preaching this congregation instead of reaching into doom and gloom and unbelief you get a hold of that faith that brought you through the last time and it will bring you through again we're gonna make it somebody shout we're gonna make it amen I feel. Like, I wish everybody would stand and clap your hands and praise him he has your future he has your tomorrow woo it's gonna be alright amen but every now and then you gotta say I need my faith back <laughs> it increases through life and the older I get the more faith I get I believe God for anything. You know why? Because see all those people out there? Hundreds of people in this room today and I have walked with them as their spiritual guide as they allow me to have permission to do. Walk with them. And I say, no, we're going to believe. Don't do that. Let's wait on God. And over the years, I have watched more than I can count. God do what no man could ever do when they overrode the flesh and said, I'm not letting these eyes or these ears or these senses determine my future. No, 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 no. I'm gonna let God take care of it. And He always makes a way. Somebody shout, He makes a way where there is no way. I want you to look at two or three people and say do not let doubt determine your future. Amen. Come on, take doubt right here, would you? Put doubt out like that. Doubt says no. You know what you need to do when doubt steps in the picture? You need to flip-flop it. You need to turn upside down and say I realize doubt's saying this but I'm gonna speak this God." I wish somebody would start prophesying. God is going to bring us through. Come on, I'm preaching Dear God is going to bring you through. I know what the devil's saying. I know what your flesh is saying. But God said, somebody shout right now, in this room is my miracle. The Bible tells us this The Bible says that this Said the word is nigh thee Even in thy mouth Your future is based upon what you speak You might think wrong But speak right Your attitude might be bad But speak right Come on Doubt might be ruling everything about you But speak faith Let faith come out of your mouth I wish somebody would shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah. you, You can be seated. And God spoke to me, and this is what He said How are you gonna produce the fruit of the Spirit if you cannot deny the works of the flesh? You have to deny it. It feels right, it feels good, it seems right, it's the most obvious, but you have to say no to yourself. Somebody shout, No. You need to look in the mirror and say, no, you're not. Oh, no. You're not going down that road. Why don't you just turn that finger right against you and say, no. You're not losing a future over momentary gratification. No, you're not. See, the Holy Ghost thinks future. Flesh always thinks now. It's all about the now. It's all about the now. Flesh is all about now, right now what I want to do right now. Truth of the matter is what you do right now can ruin your future. Or what you do now can sow seeds to impact your future. I feel an authority upon me. But devil's been lying to some of you about your backslidden children, family that's went wayward. Some of you grandparents been praying, seeking God. And the obvious is they don't trust God. They don't want anything to do with God. That's just right now. All it takes is one dream, one moment, one move of the spirit. Just a moment. Come on. Faith keeps on praying. Faith keeps on knocking. It hasn't happened yet, but it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I'm going to pray one more time. I'm going to pray one more time. Come on, there's power in praying one more time. Somebody say amen. Amen. Somebody shout, pray one more time. See, what happens is God, when you begin to pray diligently, seeking him diligently, that means with no answer yet, you just keep on knocking. And the Bible says the man that, or the lady that went to the unjust, means uh, 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 an unrighteous judge, he was corrupt, but she needed avenge of her adversaries. It was her only hope. She knocked. He said, "Woman, get out of here. Want nothing to do with her case." She knocked again, till he said, "Get out of here. Did not want to take her case." She went back again, and again. The Bible says, "By her continually coming, she wearied him." And finally, he said, "I will avenge you of your adversary. You get him on earth." That's my version. In essence, that's what it says. The Bible says, How much more shall your heavenly father avenge them speedily? Hear me. Now, this is a prophetic revelation for somebody. It's going to talk about what God's going to do in your prayer. 20 years and nothing. Then instantaneously... Everything you pray for happens in a quick instant. 15, 20 years seems like nothing's happened by your prayer. Then all of a sudden, you look and they're in the church and their family's in the church and they're loving God. What seemingly was nothing, God just had a timing on this and he avenged it right now, instantly, speedily. He said, I will avenge them speedily. Trust God with your prayer. This is not Taco Bell and Wendy's. God's kingdom is a very valued, worth the wait to get the best result and the timing of God. Come on, are you here? He's cooking up the answer. Quit rushing him and trust him. He hadn't come yet, but we still believe he's coming. We haven't wavered on that doctrine, have we? Do we believe the rapture's gonna take place? Do you believe it? Come on, you've got faith in that. He hasn't come yet. We trust his timing, but we're gonna trust him with answered prayers as well. He doesn't have to do it microwave speed for a minute. No, I will continually keep on knocking on the door until the prayer is answered. Is there somebody here that feels that way? Jump to your feet and shout amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Come on to the music. I feel the presence of God. He answers prayers. I want you to shout, God answers prayers. My, my, my. See, the world says God doesn't care. Their doctrine of evolution. Scripture says, let me just quote it. You can stand or see, said it's up to you. Their doctrine of evolution, that you're just a mistake. You just evolved from some asexual creature from the lips of a lobster. That's what they told me when I was in school. They found the missing leak. Some asexual, microscopic creature from the lips of a lobster. It takes faith to believe that. Then they come back and said, We made a mistake. They've never found the link of evolution because there's no link of something that's not true. Are you ready? I am wonderfully and beautifully made. I have been made, Brother Micah, in the image of God. I am valuable to Him. Young people, don't you dare let the system of the world tell you that you're a nobody and you're better off dead. Better off not on this planet. That is the doctrine of the world. But the doctrine of the church is there's purpose, there's destiny, there's a future, there's a plan for your life. Come on, then any mamas and daddies that'll preach with me right now. There's a future. Love not the world. The BJ, so good to see you. Nor the things that are in the world. Your daddy said I preached like a cricket on crack when I was preaching. That's what he used to tell me all the time. Message remains the same. Don't love the world. Nor the things that are in the world. Love not the world. It means the system of antichrist. Antichrist concepts atheism lustful worldliness see the world says if it feels good go ahead and do it it's, it's your body, it's your life you only live once see phrases of the world are like this gonna die somehow that's ignorant that's the doctrine that's the doctrine of the world step over your neighbor put yourself first tear somebody else down to get what you want is the doctrine of the world everybody say love not the world nor the things that are in the world I'm almost done how many feel the Lord here today I felt like we have met the devil nose to nose today and we won deceitfulness. It says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Don't love anything that keeps you out of God's house. Don't love anything that keeps you out of God's word. And don't love anything that keeps you from off your knees. If politics separates you from things of God, you need to stay away from politics. Anything separate you from the things of God I submit to this congregation the doctrine of the world is to separate you from spiritual godliness to humanism doctrines like Scientology that you are your own God you don't need leadership in your life doctrines of chaos in the Bible and I'm going to talk about it tonight how to thrive in diverse conditions I'm telling you the Bible says that evil men will watch worse and worse in that day locks on every come on, pull out your key fob alarm button on there just in case dangers at every corner why? because when somebody walked away from God as somewhere in their walk with God, the next generation got worse. It impacted the kids, the grandkids, the great grandkids, even to the third and the fourth generation. One decision affects four generations. Loving what? The world. Demas forsook me, Paul said. Loving present world. I'm just going to throw this out here. The Bible says be not conformed to this. Aaron be not conformed to this world. It's a different word for world. It means the present state of the world you're living in. You should never be driven or identified with your culture. We are so driven and we we up and down based upon what the world is doing I'm just going to tell you Hollywood should not be your influence on how you look what you do I made up my mind I'm not going to let people that are promoting promiscuity people that are promoting the doctrines of the world I'm not going to allow that they make statements like we're not going to get married until everybody can get married talking about talking about devaluing marriage as in same-sex marriage and yet we allow the same people to entertain us whose agendas are to change the doctrines of the church how can we overcome something that we entertain ourselves with you have no authority everybody say you have no authority over what you allow in your life The Bible calls it doctrines of devils. The world has a doctrine and everything it points to is anti-Christ. How do you overcome the world? Number one, do not entertain yourself with doctrines of devils. I recommend the beginning of the year, turn off all media for about 30 days. I recommend if you have television in your home, to turn it off for three months. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, in three months, you will see there will be a new you and a more sensitive view to what is piped into your home consistently. Shows that all of a sudden you start thinking things are okay that are not okay. Are you hearing me? Talking about overcoming the world. This we're waging war on the enemy. Three thousand churches a year close. There's a war. Go back to the shows in the 1950s. They would have never allowed a man and a woman in the same bed. It was kitchen views. They put them in the bedroom. One's in this bed and one's in that bed. They would have never thought for a minute to show anything sexual or sensual. Now it's in every show. And they can't get views or buy-ins they feel from the world until Christian movies started coming out. And when Christian movies started coming out, they found that there was a, a new market of entertainment. It was people that wanted to allow entertainment without the filth of the doctrines of the world. And movies like War Room, Courageous, Fireproof, they will sell more in the box office of those. And why? Because there is a people in our country that says, I do not want the filth of the world in my life. How many feel that way? Everybody stand. I'm going to give an altar call. Let's all stand. Job said, I want you to take your finger point to your eye. Job said, I have made a covenant with my eye. That eye right there is the gate to your soul. What goes in is going to produce something out. It's called desires and passions. What if you put the word in? What if it was wholesome and clean? I'm going to tell you what happens to you it becomes wholesome and clean. Somebody say, "Man," had a preacher the other day told me he travels the country. He told me he said I haven't turned a he said I haven't turned the TV on in the in the hotel traveling in 12 years. He said, "You know why?" He said, "After a while, he said I just realized it's not worth the fight." Some of you relate with that. Maybe some of you don't. If you don't relate with that, you might ought to turn it off for a while. Filtering through all the channels to try to find something clean. Anybody relate with what I'm talking about? Be honest with the pastor. You're not telling yourself. You're just being real. Watching stuff got turned off during commercials. Anybody relate with me? Am I normal? After a while, you just realize... It's not worth the fight. Because typically, you end up what? You end up losing. You end up discouraged. And remember, as I preach to you, there is a world pulling on you. I close with this story today. We're going to pray. Many, many years ago, there was a story of a a lady that told her She would always told her son, don't ever get down near the swamp. Don't ever get down there. There's alligators. There's dangers there. There's poisonous snakes. One day when she's on the phone, the lady tells the story that was on the other line. She said, all of a sudden, that mother on the phone began to hear her baby scream for help. Five-year-old baby. And the phone drops as she starts screaming to go after a baby. When she gets out to the backyard there's an alligator that has her son, five year old son, in the mouth, in its mouth, backing up through the, back into the deeper waters, from shallow to deep waters with her son in his mouth. What that mom did? She ran out in the swamp. She grabbed a hold of the boy with one hand and began to beat the alligator with the other hand she beat it until finally it let go and the boy come back over her and she escaped out of there and took him to the emergency room and they had to do surgery on him and sew him back up where the alligator had had him in in his mouth by the abdomen there some months later the reporters came to interview the mom and they said we would like to see the 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 wounds from the alligator, and they was going to do a, a report put in the paper about how the baby had survived. And she said, Well, those have pretty much healed up. But the worst scars were actually from my fingernails. Because when I got a hold of him, I wasn't dare gonna let him go. The love of a mom was greater than the appetite of the water. What I'm telling you right now, you hear me, is the love of God is much greater than the doctrines and the love of the world to destroy you. There is a war but there's a God that has his hand on you that he will scar you if he has to to get you back, but he wants you in. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be saved. The world It's like that. It's an alligator that backs up into deeper waters. Eventually, it's destruction. What seemed was an appealing edge, and I'm not supposed to be here, all of a sudden became a place of regret and destruction. But what I'm preaching to you right now, there's a God that has his hand outstretched. (laughs) This is, I don't want you to fall into the destruction of the world. Come in. I'm preaching to some of you get off the edge. Quit living near the world, quit living near the swamp. It'll destroy you. But can I tell you, there's a place called the kingdom of God. It's peace and it's joy and it's happiness. never seen one person regret ever living for God, not one time. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There's a war being waged. I'll talk about him next week. But there's a war being waged for your soul. He has one goal in mind, to shame you, to destroy you, and it take you to hell. What I'm preaching to you right now, there is a love of God much greater than any appetite of the devil. Some of you have been drugged away. but There's an arm of God reaching out to where you are. He comes to where you are to deliver you from Leviathan. He wants you to be saved today. If you're here today, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, I've been in a war. I feel like something's trying to pull me out to destroy me. Would you, would you raise your hand? Let's come back. let trying try to destroy your life. Here's what I know. As a, as a sign that you're coming out, there is a miracle gonna happen in your life in this altar. Brother Nehemiah, these ministers come and stand those that raised their hand and others that maybe were a little bit shy to do so, I want you to make a testament that I'm repenting today and I'm coming out of that place. I'm coming out. I am not going to live my life destroyed. I'm not going to let the devil take me to hell. I'm waging war today by coming out. If you raised your hand, I want you to come. you raised your hand, there's a war being waged. Come on, don't, don't hesitate. Don't wait. There is, there is a call of God. Just because you're struggling doesn't make you wrong. It's a war, it's a daily battle, it's a weekly trial. Today, I seek God. Come on, that's it. There are miracles in this room. Hallelujah. some of you that have somebody you know that's battling I want you to come the devil wants nothing more than to destroy he's a thief that's come come to steal to kill and to destroy but God's got a future for you hallelujah Jesus I want everybody in this altar all over the building I want you to begin to repent God I'm sorry I'm sorry oh God Bible says, "Except you repent, shall all likewise perish." That's what it's talking about. Today, I turn around, God. I'm asking you to forgive me for allowing things in my mind, my heart, my spirit around me that cause me to struggle spiritually. Today, I'm pulling away. Today, I'm turning around. I'm asking you, God, for forgiveness. I'm asking you, God, today, for strength. I'm asking God today for mercy. Come on, some of you need to say no to some media and say no to some people you hang out with. Today, I change. Will this whole congregation help pastor pray? Come on, there's some people right now that need deliverance. Would you help pastor? Would you stretch your hands forth this way and help me? In the name of Jesus. Let's get a hold of God all over this says, building.
1: Give us pure hearts. Let us not.